Hi, my name is uh, Shlomi Ron. I'm uh, the co-founder and CEO at the Visual Storytelling Institute uh, based here in Miami, Florida. And today we have a very interesting topic. It's really something that we get a lot from our clients and students. Uh, they typically ask us, uh, how do you transform stories using emerging visual media? And as you all know, emerging media is really taking a lot of uh, the headlines these days, you know, from uh, 360 videos to augmented reality, virtual reality. There's a lot of uh, new platforms that uh, people are exper experimenting with and questions are rising. <laughs> how do you drive these uh, new uh, vehicles to tell compelling stories. So that's why I'm super excited uh, to have uh, on our show today, Rafael Baldwin. Uh, Rafael, in essence, I know him uh, since he was uh, one of my uh, first students at the Visual Storytelling Experience at the, uh, the Idea Center in Miami-Dade College. It was a pleasure working with him. And since then, he's, uh, he's doing very well in the space of uh, emerging uh, visual media and storytelling. He is uh, an expert uh, in 360 video, immersive television. He's a director, producer. He's in fact covered uh, some of the major media events from BAFTA Awards to uh, Cannes, Venice, Berlin, uh, and other major uh, film festivals. And he also currently serves as the digital media storyteller at the New, Symph New World Symphony here in Miami. So with that, welcome to our show, Rafael. Thank you, Shlomi. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and now uh, to, 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 to do this interview with you. Awesome. Yeah, so maybe, you know, for folks that kind of interested uh, to learn more about your background, since, uh, you know, it's not that uh, one day you, you walk up and you say, I'm going to do 360 video. <laughs> so... <laughs> Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got started in this. Yes, absolutely. Well, the, the, the story is quite a quite a long story, and uh, and, and audiovisual content the highlights from the, <laughs> from the beginning of my of my life. No, my mother and my father both are, are television producers. Oh wow! So and they were doing that even before I was I was born. So mm -hmm. it was you know from day zero quite. A, pretty much the 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 the, the 24 7 of my yep. life no? oh wow they were you know during dinner during the meals during the holidays and, and it also happens that i am an only child so you know oh, wow. every every summer break i was with them not in the you know jumping around in the in the television studios rather than that so, so what what uh, tv is uh, uh, studios they worked at i know that you you originally from mexico right exactly they 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 produced uh, basically all their career apart from having a, a their own a production company but for mm -hmm. more than 30 years they worked at televisa televisa is a, the largest media conglomerate in the spanish-speaking world oh wow and uh it is the leading television station in, in Mexico, mm -hmm. but it's also, you know, dedicated to serve more than 20 uh, Spanish-speaking countries in the world, and of course, selling uh, in, in, in some of the some of the content that Televisa is, is um, most uh, most famous for are the soap operas mm. in Asia, uh, Eastern Europe, in many places. They they sell these uh, telenovelas. Exactly the telenovelas. It's the it's a yeah. I would say with Globo in Brazil, maybe the main two 
producers of telenovelas, no? Got it. So, so you, you pretty much, you know, grew up in, in a family of producer, TV producers, and then what, what did you do for college? Yes, it, it, it was fun because indeed, like uh, all the, all the, or most of the brothers of my, of my father were also in the, in the television industry and the other half of the family, my mom's family were musicians. Oh, my wow. grandmother was a, a, a famous Mexican singer. So, you know, the, the, the two things that I am doing right now, after many years of either doing one or the other, all of a sudden made sense. No, So mm -hmm. now at the New World Symphony, I'm, you know, doing a, a, producing audiovisual content about musicians and, 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 and the, the, the concerts that we have and the musical initiatives that we have. And so, you know, it was an opportunity to, to, to have both together. But going back to, to what did I study, <clears throat> I went on to, well, I studied different things. It has been quite a, quite a journey. My, my bachelor's degree is in music composition. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I did a master's degree at the Royal College of Music in London. Uh, oh, wow. It was a, a master's degree in music for film and TV. Uh, and I'm so going to go back to... You're actually a soundtrack guy, right? <laughs> yes, yes, in a, in a way. But, but funny enough, I, I, I'll tell you a couple of things and, I, and then I'll come back oh, yeah. to, to, to how technology disrupted this industry. Yep. I studied that and, um, and as I said, I grew up in a family that was... Uh, you know, part, part of, of, of the, of the, of the, the Mexican trade, music yeah. industry, right? Yep. So I, I, for me, it was an opportunity to have hands-on experience and, uh, and, and, and life experiences in, in these two industries. So then I decided to study uh, music, <clears throat> as I said, in, in London. But you know what? Technology started to, to, back in those days, and maybe even five or almost ten years before that, Technology disrupted the, the music industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, with Napster, Kazaa, uh, YouTube. Later in the in the in, in that journey, absolutely. Many, no, it was completely upside down. No, the the, the, the people was having music for free. Was uh, you know the, the, the whole business model was yeah. disrupted. And then, uh, as I said, I was born in a family of television producers, and I always liked it. And and. Britain is vibrant for music and for film. Yeah. So then I wanted to, to you know, I, I, I had, I started, my, I started my career when I was very little, when I was seven or eight as a child actor. And then later in, the, in my life, I decided to, to go behind the camera no, with my father. And, uh, and I started directing multi-camera maybe when I was 15 or 16 oh, years old. Wow. And professionally, later in my career, when I was 21, 22. <clears throat> but, um, but it was, you know, I, I was reaching a point in which my academic credentials were uh, music credentials. Mm -hmm. But my professional experience, you know, I, 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 I had it. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was also, it, it was a, an opportunity to, after doing the master's degree in music, I decided to do a master's degree in documentary filmmaking at the mm. Goldsmiths College. And uh, I thought it was an interesting opportunity because it was, on one side, an opportunity to, to further develop the skills, and in the other, to have an academic credential that could support the, the visual side of my career. Because yep. I was reaching a point in which it was, it was just tricky to present a resume or, or to ask for a job interview when, you know, I was 
for the eyes of the interviewer, a musician, yep. wanted to produce videos. I mean, for me, it made all sense because I had both uh, uh, skills or, or I was developing both skills and, and professional experience on both sides. But there was, you know, like a, like a, 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 um, like a filter there that I thought, okay, if, if the music is upside down and I'm not really finding the, 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 that ideal scenario to live out of my music, and I'm going to be using my music in addition to other things more as a... So basically, as a, you're saying, basically, you're saying it's not really enough sometimes to... You always need to balance, you know, both your academic degrees and, you know, the, the path you want to follow. Because if you, your degrees are pointing to, in your case, music, but you are interested in production, you know, you yeah. got to bring more production training to your academic side. <laughs> Yes, and you know the training, but also the credential. And <clears throat> yeah. let me just clarify: I, 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 some of the most talented people I've met in my life mm -hmm. maybe didn't did, maybe didn't even have a, a, a college degree. No, right. I, I had the opportunity, as I as I was saying, from a very young young age, to learn from people that maybe you know sort of developed the industry. There there were no. A, a media Classes, degree back in yeah. those days. They were the pioneers of that industry. So <clears throat> I, I don't think you need a degree in order to succeed. Right. And, and I don't think you need a degree in order to, to have talent. Now, there are two completely different things. But I think it was an opportunity for me to further develop things. Got it. I wanted to know that maybe, you know, on the, on the, on the type of projects that I had worked before, were more into entertainment and documentary filmmaking was an opportunity to discover another side of media, no? And it was also an opportunity to have a, a, an interesting academic credential just to, to right. give an additional support to. So what type of production uh, jobs you, you held in the beginning of your career? Oh, I, I think I've, you know, I, I've done like everything, no? My dad, even when my family was already working on that, Hmm. they never seated me in a position, no? Like, oh, he's 14 years old, he's going to be the producer. And it's like, that's not going to happen. You want to do it, you're going to learn it. The way it needs to be learned. Like, so you tried everything, basically. Exactly. You're going to be doing the grip. You're going to be taking, you know, following the rundowns. You're going to be assisting the editors, assisting the directors. Nice. Like, you want to be good, like, there, there's no way around. There, there's no shortcut. You got to learn the whole machinery yeah. in order to, to be able to exactly. read it, to drive it afterwards. That exactly. <clears throat> That's great. So definitely, you know, it looks like you had a journey that uh, kind of uh, groomed you from day one to yes. a career in production because <laughs> your family, your, your interests all aligned and kind of led you to this. So... When you Let me just add one thing, just to finalize that, yeah. that thought. I, as we were saying with the technology and how it was disrupting, yeah. I think what happened to the music industry mm -hmm. happened also to the television industry, yeah. right? The people was watching it whenever they wanted, in the form they wanted, in different platforms that we didn't have before. No? People is watching these days TV in their phones. Yeah. We, I, 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 we would have never thought that 20 years ago. So after doing that and facing, you know, challenges in, in both industries and, a, and a quite a, quite a, yeah, quite a challenging <clears throat> situation where the question was, 
what do I like, but what do I also see myself doing, right? So that's what it, that's the reason that brought me to, to that, that I decided to move to Miami. Then I did a, a third degree in interactive media at the University of Miami <clears throat> because I, I, I realized that, you know, the, the, the thing that put upside down both industries and many others was technology. And the, that's and kind the, of the connective tissue between everything. Exactly. And, and the way exactly how, how I think it, it gets connected, that background with what you were telling me, you know, that, that you wanted to, yeah. to, to discuss VR, AR, interactive branching narratives. I came, you know, I reached a point in which I thought it was a, 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 a good idea to go back to basics and learn coding and learn, you know, technology. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, to, to, to get your hands dirty. So that's what, that's why I, I moved to Miami and that's, how we met. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when you think about, you know, your training, your experience, both on the job and also in school, I'm sure you, by now, even after you've taken our class, have you probably established some position or notion about, you know, because we have a lot of marketers and business leaders, watching and going to listen to this broadcast. So I'm kind of curious to know what would you say is your definition for visual storytelling, especially as it relates to emerging media? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I would say uh, visual storytelling is, in my opinion, basically conveying meaningful, uh, meaningful messages through images, <clears throat> be it a picture, a painting, a sculpture, mm -hmm. <clears throat> a piece of silent video, you know, any type of message that is uh, represented in visual terms, no? And of course, when you have audio, like any movie or television transmission, well, it becomes an audiovisual storytelling. But um, yeah, I would say conveying meaningful messages through, through things that could be perceived with the eyes. No? And when you say messages, it, 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 do you tend to kind of... Uh go deeper and define what a story means in order for for it to qualify as a visual storytelling because we're talking about stories not just uh, flat messages <laughs> yes uh, yeah sometimes i i don't know sometimes i i i would say meaningful meaningful content but not necessarily all the content Mm -hmm. Even when it's very valid, necessarily has a story, right? It could be a, a, a very succinct piece of piece of mm -hmm. either knowledge or or message or an idea, uh, and perhaps something that works as a story. It's something just more elaborate, no? That is made of this uh, building bricks right. of, so if we, of content. If we, so if you think uh, maybe about what you do today in the, in the World Symphony, mm -hmm. you know, can you give us a sense of what the process looks like, you know, when you start working on a project, on a storytelling project that requires some emerging visual media mm -hmm. technology in order to communicate it? Look, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting opportunity, the one that I have here at the New World Symphony, because it's a... It is a position that requires me to do the entire spectrum 
of things in order to have these pieces that we that the content that we that we mm -hmm. that we present to the audiences either through a marketing campaign or a virtual reality experience before one of the concerts it's a, for me it's a, it's it's either challenging and enriching and exciting all of that at the same time because i have to do everything from coordinating the interviews to but how the process starts you get a request from from marketing from who? it depends it, it depends sometimes it could be either the marketing department saying hey you know what we have this new type of concert oh, and see. we have to for example we have one that is coming up in in january 5th that it's a a classical music concert meeting american idol no, so it's going to be a competition for, for families to, to vote for their favorite uh, performer. So that one has, you know, a, 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 an interesting challenge because it's the first time we're going to be doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's sitting down with the, with the musicians that came up with this idea and understanding what is it about, <clears throat> how it is different from the other concerts. Now, what are the differentiators that we need to highlight in the campaign? So that the people would go like, hey, I have never seen something like that. I should go to that concert. But there are some other times in which maybe we decide to prototype an audiovisual experience that is not necessarily meant to promote a, a concert, but maybe just to, for example, we, we have, we started this season uh, activations, virtual reality activations with the audiences that are halfway through being a audience inside of the of the performance hall at the new world center we have an interesting uh, so you have basically like a vr station that uh, exactly where people are coming to the theater they can actually try it out exactly for example we have four uh, around four concerts every season at the arched center mm -hmm. so when we go there we bring these uh, vr stations so that the people that sometimes know about us but have never been to the new world center experience a little bit of the building you know we have a a, a beautiful frank gary building and and we have all sorts of concerts not only the classical music formats mm. but we have also polls that it's an electronic music slash a classical music concert so it's like a club style environment where you have pj sets and and and, and also classical music uh, we have um, uh, key, uh, concerts for kids. We have uh, concerts for children that are uh, studying. So it's an academic concert. We have, you know, we have very, you know, we have a sensory friendly environment initiative for, for mm -hmm. children and people with uh, family members within the uh, autism spectrum. So it's a room that has a live transmission of whatever is happening in the main hall. In a, in a room that has suitable conditions for people experiencing autism. Yeah, because so, I remember you also had some, uh, one of the highlights uh, of uh, the project that I've seen is <laughs> that you sometimes uh, broadcast live on, uh, on the outer wall of uh, the new symphony. Uh, exactly. The, the whole concert, basically, right? Exactly, and it's super cool, and it's, you know, it's as popular as the concert inside. The concert inside yeah. receives more or less 750 people. Uh, we have 80% of, of, of occupants. But outside, we have almost, sometimes we have around 3,000 people. 
wow. sitting there waiting three hours before the concert, having a picnic. And that's the audience that we're also, you know, to, to, that we're also presenting this VR experience so that they can feel more, more familiar with what's happening inside. And uh, hopefully that VR experience serves as an invitation you know, for them Got to it. join the, so, the, the other experience. So, so when, when the marketing team, for example, or other team comes to you with a request for a project, uh-huh. do they typically uh, attach some business objectives around it? So what they're trying to accomplish out of it and you know, what, how they're gonna measure this? Yes, yes, all the time, all the time. There's, there's you know, a, 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 a very interesting group of people working on you know, finding ways on, on, on how to, to make classical music accessible to as many people as possible, no? Be children, be uh, visitors to the city of Miami that maybe don't know about us, uh, people that maybe has uh, misconceptions about what classical music is, no? Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to find different and, and creative ways to, to take what we do to a, to a wider audience no and uh, yes sometimes the goals could be selling tickets but sometimes you know 30 percent of our more than 30 percent of our concerts are free so sometimes the the, the object the the, the the goal is not to sell tickets so more like awareness sure, exactly exactly awareness no just to just to make sure that it's that, that the hall is full sometimes we have many community uh, engagement projects where we don't sell tickets and it's not a, a concert involved. Maybe we have just uh, presentations about classical music in high schools around the city. So depending the type of project is the type of uh, performance indicators that we set. And, uh, and by, by using those, we measure the, the success or the opportunity areas no, in place. <laughs> So, so you, you mentioned kind of a few types of uh, projects. One, you said, you know, it's a, the outdoors experience on the, on the building wall in order to create awareness. You talked about also uh, in the VR stations in order to create awareness when you are in a different location like the Arch Center mm-hmm. and, and also some reenactment of upcoming concert just to get a glimpse of mm-hmm. how it's going to look like. You also involved uh, in any uh, recording of the actual event Yes, of course. The, 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 there's an entire uh, video production team that records uh, the majority of the, right. of the concerts that we have. And uh, sometimes they are streamed uh, on platforms like Medici TV. Uh, sometimes they go directly on Facebook Live. Uh, that's the transmission that is brought, uh, broadcast live to the, to the crowd outside of the, of the New World Center in the broadcast. And it's the same um, signal oh. that is uh, used for the for the sensory friendly environment. So yes, they, they record the concerts. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they use it. Um, we have uh, access to the internet too. That it's a protocol for uh, academic and research institutions that has just faster and, and suitable conditions to to further develop um, this type of right. Uh, these type of projects, no? So uh, sometimes it's used so that some of the students from the, from the, 
from the New World Symphony Fellows could see what they are talking about, could see the pieces, could see how it's an actual uh, orchestral performance. So there are many applications and uh, yes, we, we, we definitely record the, the concerts for many purposes. One thing that kind of caught my attention because I attended one of the concerts, uh, I think last year, uh -huh. and I'm wondering if you're involved in this type of project. It's, I typically define this as more kind of a branded environment design. So basically the entire ceiling of the theater was uh, projected with all kind of animated visuals during the concert. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the, the name of the concert? We sometimes do it during polls, the one that has uh, electronic music. And oh. the, the, yes, they come up with this very, you know, very original uh, content for the, for the performance hall, not to be projected in the, in, the, in the hall. So it could be that one. Um, it's more like an ambient uh, visuals that kind of uh, support the music. As you watch, you know people uh -huh. kind of look at the at the ceilings and the walls, and you know it's an extra uh, visual mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. tactic to enrich the experience. I'm guessing. Nice. Yes. Yes. I, I, yeah. I, I, it sounds like a like like a pulse concert. So maybe it was a it was one of them. I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it nice. was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So nice. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, as you kind of work on uh, different projects and kind of uh, progressing to experiment uh, with new frontiers of uh, emerging media, what do you find are kind of the common misconceptions about uh, or challenges that, uh, you know, business leaders uh, still uh, don't get about mm -hmm. emerging media? Things that you find yourself, you know, needing to explain more about no this is actually does abc instead of what you're thinking <laughs> look not necessarily at new world symphony because i i think it's uh you know the institution is the institution has always been at the forefront of innovation within the classical music uh, Niche. Yeah, it could be from outside the organization, yeah. But but, but, but something very interesting, I, I am uh, teaching a class at the University of Miami, mm -hmm. and, uh, and one of the things that I, I find very fre frequently, either with the students, it's for undergrad and, and, and uh, um, postgraduate students. So some of them are working, you know, they, they are already working with clients, and uh, one of the things that I, I think it's a... It's a it's a misconception these days is that everything needs to be short, mm. right? Everything is tailored yeah. for 30 seconds. It's true. And I think it's a, it's a complete misconception because yes, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a half truth because yes, indeed in social media, we used to have Vine that were six second videos. We have Facebook that yes, sometimes videos tend to be shorter rather than longer, but that same audience no, or, or, or tweets that are, you know, uh, well, they, they increased recently but, uh, the, the, the amount of uh, characters, but it used to be, what, 144, I think. Yeah, yeah. Now Something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, yes, it, it feels like everything needs to be short, but that same audience is the same exact audience that on any given Saturday could watch eight episodes yeah. back-to-back -back of, their, of their favorite Netflix show. Yeah. And that's that's 
far from being short. It's like sometimes you are there eight hours that's the entire what, day. Yeah, no. that's, that's what I keep saying also. You know, people say attention span is going down and they use this uh, stat about the, the goldfish, yeah. you know, one second less than human, seven seconds. And yeah, the reality is that, you know, it, it's because we have million channels to consume content from then yes. your attention is shifted but it's your choice how you're going to slice it and, and what i what i do think is that yeah. that that what i what i what i am what, what i truly believe is that people don't have time for for yeah for poorly prepared content that i agree no they don't have time to 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 invest in something that is not worth their time so yeah. if it's half baked the product, yes, chances are they're gonna watch 20 seconds and they're gonna move on. But if it's good, I mean, just ask any Game yeah. of Thrones fan if Absolutely. they don't watch like three, four, five, and sometimes three in the morning, four in the morning, and you have things to do the next day, and it's, it was worth your time, no? Yeah. I'm kind of curious also uh, to know any any failure lessons, big lesson that you <laughs> learned a lot from? Because obviously, in your type of job, you, you sometimes you gotta experiment, and you know not everything is gonna turn out great. Yes, one of the things that we're that, 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 that we're producing at the New World Symphony is uh, interactive video, yeah. and that's something very cool. But that was you know it, that was quite a challenge to reinvestigate your craft in a format that is not anymore linear and that is to, meant to be manipulated by the audience. We, we came up with this uh, 25-minute interactive documentary of a new initiative that we have that it's called Blue, that is to, to, to initiate musicians in the entrepreneurship side of things. So in a way, it's a project that we want to serve as a, as a new set of skills for the fellows of the orchestra to, to find creative ways to, to, to make classical music survive in the 21st century. So it's more like a training uh, objective, basically. Exactly, exactly. And we came up with, a, with an interactive documentary that described this first iteration of the Blue Projects. And, uh, and it was amazing, and I am very happy with the final result. But man, that was that was something exciting, but that was challenging because the platform that we used is being currently developed. So sometimes, as great as it is, there are sometimes that there are still bugs in the system, and you know the project was an opportunity to to further polish our content and to for, and to inform of this. A small issues we were facing to so the it's more, like a it's more like a technology challenge it's not like a, I, I would say story boring mm, I would say 50 50 it, it's challenging in the technological aspect because they are intertwined right, right? it's uh, understanding what the platform is capable of informs the creation of the content Right, and, and the platform was basically some sort of a, you said a, a video that basically was yes, called, yes, exactly. It's a, it, it's called Hello Echo, and uh, it's a, it's an interactive uh, platform. It's a platform to enable interactive uh, video. So it was 
you know, it was it, it has been because we've been working on that for the last uh, two seasons, and um, it's it's just interesting to reinvestigate how you have to shoot content, how you have to edit content, mm. how you have to prepare the storylines to branch and then come back, and no matter what path you choose, still makes sense. Yeah. Now it's it's like a point in between a video game and mm. a documentary. Yeah. And that was very exciting, but that was that was fairly challenging. And, and was, was it all a real life footage or also yes. illustration, animation? Yes. Well, yes. We we needed illustrations because we needed to to have all the buttons in place. And uh, and from time to time, and and even directing the on camera talent, no, because they had to introduce you to the buttons. Yeah. They have to allow some time for you to come up with those choices, and. Uh, it's just that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a format that requires just a different approach, mm. not just by shooting video and then putting it in, a, in an interactive platform. It, it just doesn't work like that. And probably yeah. I'm guessing you had to uh, test it out with the users to make, to make sure that, that it's actually working as planned, right? Exactly, exactly. So, yes, it, it, was, it was very interesting. and. Um, and 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 it, we had the open house a few a few months ago, and uh, you know there were people playing. We have some uh, touch screen monitors, so we had the videos there, and it was just fun to see, you know, kids but also adults playing around with the content in the monitor, and uh, you know, engaging in a different way that um, was putting the, the the user experience at the center of the story. No. Mm -hmm. That's great. No, I, I think uh, interactive video is in, in, you know, what they call transmedia storytelling, where your yes. story is kind of changing uh, platform from, you know, social to TV to mobile. This is a, definitely a brave new world that <laughs> still people are experimenting with. So, so having done uh, such a great work, do, do you have any kind of a favorites favorite project that you're really proud of? You know, it could be yours, it could be from the industry. Look, one, one of the things we, I'm happy about, and, and I think new, the, the New World Symphony is also happy with, is the VR activations. Mm. Because it has been just an opportunity to reach out, yes, to, to the kids that go to the Wolkas concerts and, or to the education concerts, but also to reach out to, to, uh, to, to, to another audience that have never tried VR before. Right. No? Adults from all different, from very different ages that have never tried it and to see how they engage with that and how they, they, they sometimes they know about us, sometimes they don't, but to see how through virtual reality they have a better idea of the things that we do, I think that has been very exciting and enriching. Mm -hmm. And you know, we also take notes of the things that work or, or could work better, and um, and we we iterate, right? Absolutely. So we, we we're using VR to to tell the story of who we are and what we do, mm -hmm. and uh, and given that what we do, or one of the main things that we do is music concerts, no, our our music concerts. 
I think VR is just a, 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 an ideal format for that because it's immersive visually and also in terms of the sound. So I, 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 I've watched it several times and it's just cool. There's a video where we have, you know, Michael Tilson Thomas, no? the 11 the, the time Grammy Award winner conductor conducting right next to you. And, mm. you know, it's just fun. And, and it's a view that only oh. when you're a, an orchestral musician, you, you can see Michael from, from that, that distance. Yeah. Uh, are they interactive or is just more kind of for people to kind of work around and navigate within the space you'd created? This one in particular, there are some, uh, we're preparing a tour of the, of the New World Center right. uh, that is going to be VR and it's going to be interactive so that you can, you know, explore the, the, the building at your own pace. But um, this one that I am telling you, it's a linear video. It's a, it's a roughly two-minute video that is, you know, short and punchy with a selection of the things that we do. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. All right. So definitely a fantastic, uh, you know, f great fun projects you've been involved with. So when you look at the future, I have a question for you that uh, is interesting on two levels. One, from the from the trade business, you know, obviously, you know, I'm trying to, to get your opinion about where visual, emerging visual storytelling is headed. But uh, on a second level, kind of a, very close to your home, <laughs> when you look at the examples like uh, Netflix now launching, uh, you know, Alfonso Cuaron's uh, Roma, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's also disrupting right now the, the, the movie business. You know, they're trying to, you know, get uh, nominated for this uh, entry. Yes. What are your thoughts about all these developments looking at the future? Well, that's a, that, that's a very interesting question. And, uh, you know, I, 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 as you know, and, 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 and the project that I, that I was, you know, shaping in the, in the class that I took with yeah, you, yeah was my, my news platform, my, my yep. film news platform. Yep. And um, I'm still collaborating with Univision. I've been doing it for the last six years or a bit more now. And um, I had the opportunity to interview Alfonso uh, mm -hmm. a few months ago at the London Film Festival. And, uh, and we were talking about that, about the, uh, you know, he, he, he as, a, as a film actor, He's also part of the of this very interesting opportunity for content creators to find audiences not only in the in the theaters yep. but in their homes, and uh, and I just think it's interesting. Yes, indeed, the business models are gonna are gonna be changed. I think no, I mean they are already being changed. No, the 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 film studios are you know, struggling sometimes to, to, to bring people into the theater. Yeah. Yes. I think the, the, the experience in the theaters with this beautiful sound, the massive screens are still worth the money and the time and people believe yep. that and they are still going. Mm -hmm. I don't think one... Uh, Cancel the other. Exactly. I don't yep. think they necessarily compete. I just think there are movies that maybe I would never go to watch on a, on a movie theater that if I have on Netflix, maybe I would give it a try. Mm -hmm. And there are some other movies that I won't wait until they reach the, the, the online platforms and then I go uh, and, and watch it on the, on the movie theater. So I, I don't think they, they, they compete as much as I do think they, they open a whole new opportunity for content creators 
a true... it's almost like the gatekeeper exactly are, are expanded not you know getting exactly. smaller like the old system that you have like four or five major studios and all exactly. the rest are kind of independent films that <laughs> and and i think it also applies to the television industry no before it used to be you know you wanted to be a television producer director whatever you needed to be part of a television station right and right now you know with the technology becoming cheaper and cheaper or at least more affordable than before if not necessarily cheap uh, and with the with the possibility of broadcasting your own content having your own tools and reaching your own audience i just think that's nothing but very exciting no it's certainly challenging for the television industry as an industry and maybe even more so to the television stations right. but for the content creators for the television professionals man there are just many more options now yeah. to 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 leave from what you do now sometimes there are countries like mine that maybe have two tv stations the, the main ones no and some others that were doing okay but mainly two but in and, terms of the platforms do you see any evolutions uh, in terms of you know we're talking right now ar vr being like the top of the chain <laughs> in terms well, of technology wise where do you see you know, the Netflix next wave is, yes i i definitely think interactive video is the next big thing i mm. i i netflix launched the uh, um the puss in boots the uh, you know uh, uh, the first uh, interactive project for kids but they are now about to 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 release a black mirror episode that it's going to be interactive right. and uh, and they are starting to produce you know interactive branching content and you know the technology is already there there are different companies that are you know competing to become the the the, the industry standard and uh, and netflix has already the, the the infrastructure they've proven they have the money and they are not afraid yeah. of using yeah. it and uh, i'm sure they're going to do something very interesting they already have the audience there yeah. it's just a matter of coming up with the with the right project to kick off a, a whole new section of content on a simpler step you know i just heard that they just into, you know tested this feature you know on selected this scene within a movie Uh-huh. they can ask they can you have a, a small button that pops up and say uh, watch this scene again because they thought it it's almost like a you know reading a text and marking it you want to enjoy it again so <laughs> that's nice and for industry professionals that would be amazing right you yeah. don't have to to go back like oh my god that was a nice effect how did they come up with yeah. it no, yeah, it's just so like play it again 10 times <laughs> <laughs> exactly so very cool So just to, to kind of wrap up maybe if you can summarize what would you say your your top three tips for mm-hmm. folks that are looking to get into emerging visual media visual storytelling I would say the first one to keep studying I I think right now fortunately access to education is becoming uh, education it's becoming more and more accessible now you mm-hmm. have free video tutorials all over youtube you have a uh, paid incredible sources like linda.com 
you know, the, 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 Coursera, yeah. exactly what it used to be before an opportunity for just a few, you know, a very selected group of people selected by, don't know what uh, standards, but selected nonetheless, no? Universities used to be sometimes only accessible to people that could afford it. And maybe yeah. university was the only way to, to get to that knowledge. Or maybe the other, the, the way around was to becoming a, a, a member of the industry and, you know, dedicating 20 years to learn from time to time those gems that, yeah. exactly. And I think these days it's interesting because there's a, there's a, there's a, a spirit of sharing the information. I know something and I put a video, a, a video online and then people that is uh, trying to, to do something similar, go to that uh, video and then they comment and then they are networking and then they are all of a sudden collaborating together and sharing what they do with their audiences. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very exciting time. Yeah. So I also think, um, there, there's less and less uh, an excuse no, to, to not yeah. know. Not to try. Of course, yeah. of course I mean, without, uh, of course, there are some very critical situations in many parts of the world where people still don't have access to the internet and right. that needs to be tackled. But it's true to say that there's, if we compare this moment to, to just a few decades before, we have more access to information than before. So Absolutely. I think that's something that, that, that cannot go without uh, being noticed. No? So learning is one. And learning is one. Uh, to understand your audience would be the second one. Mm -hmm. To understand who, 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 who could be consuming what you want to produce. Yep. To understand, I mean, that when you want to generate revenue out of that. If you don't care about revenue and you just go want to, you just, you just want to produce your art the way you want it, that's perfectly fine. Chances are people, it's going to love it. Chances are maybe you're going to love it. And if you're fine with that, that's good. No, sometimes I, as I said, I'm also a composer and sometimes I let my, my, my pen flow and I compose it and, and, you know, a few or not a few some years ago i decided that i was not necessarily gonna live out of making music mm -hmm. but i can do it the way i want it no and sure. that's fine some music but there are some others no when it comes to audiovisual production or when it comes to selling my songs that of course you have to to if you're planning to sell those songs and you're expecting someone to buy them you, you have to understand your audience no it's Absolutely. not like oh i want you to buy whatever i want to produce it's like no it's, it's, you know, meet me halfway, no? Yeah. Be creative, yeah. but also understand who you are talking to and understand if that specific audience is actually interested or not in, in the product that you are offering. And if not, find someone else. No, but I think uh, understanding the audience, the audience is, is, is essential. Critical. Yes, it's, yeah. it's essential, no? And, um, and the third one would be, I think, to be true to the stories that you want to tell. Because no one is going to tell the stories that you can tell, no? So, again, it's meet me halfway. No? Understand your audience, but also come up with some truth, right? If you're going to say the same th things that everyone has already said, then what's the point? 
and also you're you know you're you're missing the whole point of being yourself yeah <laughs> right yeah if you if only you have lived the life that you've lived tell me about it no yeah. don't tell me about the things that i already know like share with me what 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 do you know how 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 it feels like to be yourself absolutely no what are the interesting things from that path that i didn't live that you can share with me and let me tell you what i've lived that certainly you weren't there because even if it was the brother your brother that what that was next to you or mom dad friend girlfriend whatever only it's a different you, perspective yeah. exactly yeah. it's a yeah. different perspective of yeah. a shared experience but a different perspective nonetheless so I, I i say those would be the great the so names. everybody you know it's learning you know know your audience and be true to your story because yes at the end of the day you know you know you want to feel like you're bringing something of value exactly self, you know exactly so. give that vote of confidence to to yourself exactly let, let your self flow into what you do right, right. There, right. there's I, 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 and I mean, at the end, that's the only way you can do it. No, no, no. no, no, <laughs> like, no I think you, you only you have know. one option: doing doing it from your own experience, from your own perspective, yeah. from your own uh, way of perceiving life and what it's going on, no, in 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 with the people or places that you're interacting. With. Yeah, in my classes, I, I typically use the the Caprese sandwich, which is really my favorite sandwich, where the top slice represent your story. The bottoms is the, your customer pain point or story, and the the you know the feeling is really your must have solution. Mm-hmm. So or your product, it could be your movie, it could be whatever you are yes. creating, but it needs to kind of create a very uh, cohesive uh, match <laughs> between yes. the two slides, like any great sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I, yes, and that's true. And, and and now that you're talking about the students, I, I remember well from from the the course I, I had the pleasure of taking with you. Um, this idea of the of the bigger story. Oh yeah. Of the project that we were doing, mm-hmm. and I think that's very interesting. It's going back to. The, the main point, you know, to what what is driving you yep. to to pursue that, that story. story. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So thank you so much, Rafael. It's been a, absolutely really an amazing uh, time to kind of uh, go through uh, your journey in, in becoming an expert in uh, immersive storytelling and emerging visual media. And I'm sure. And still, and still learning. I appreciate those those very kind words. But as yeah. I said, I'm being true to what I just said. No, Absolutely. keeping you know studying every day. No, dedicating half an hour every day to watch a video tutorial, to read a little bit of an interesting book. You you always have thirty minutes, right? Yeah. So so. Yeah. I'm with you. Trying to dedicate a, a few a few minutes with that. Excellent, and if a. Uh, few of my audience would like to get in touch with you, how they can contact you? I think LinkedIn is the best uh, way to okay. do it. It's Rafael Baldwin. And, uh, and again, it's linkedin.com slash Rafael Baldwin. And uh, you will see my face. <laughs> awesome. I think that's the best way. And uh, I look forward to, to, to hearing from your, from your audience. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rafael. And we'll see all of you hopefully in our next episode of Visual Storytelling Today. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. 
The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.